church, doesn't it feel good today to be walking in freedom? Amen. So we are so glad to be here with you today, whether you're joining us in the room or online. We want to welcome you to Grace Church. If you are online today, would you join the chat room, say hi to Pastor Dennis, maybe tell everybody where you're worshiping from. And if you're in the room with us today, find someone that you've never met, introduce yourself and welcome them here. Hey, welcome everybody. Really glad to have you here. My name is Jonathan. And I'm Pastor Kajavius over Local Outreach, and we are known as the Ebony and Ivory Connection. That's right. Um, Cutting we, our first album here, coming up soon. Actually, I don't know if you remember, uh, we actually did our EP album some years back, um, and we were selling them, and they just sold out. And so we actually have an <laughs> LP album, album and our name has changed from Ebony and Ivory to Two Dalmatians. So that's who we'll be. <laughs> so get that afterwards. All right. Okay, first announcement is for the ladies. Good morning, ladies. Good. Okay, good. Can I get another good morning? Good morning, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're looking to expand in our sports ministry area, and we would love to just take a survey this morning to see if there's just any interest in maybe doing a more co-ed teams or maybe an all-women's league or something to some sort. So there's two ways to do that. You can either look at on your online bulletin and there's a survey on your smartphone there, or you can meet us outside in the lobby after the services. Yeah, be interesting to gauge the interest on that, so feel free to yeah. fill out that survey. Three big words we use around here at Grace, love, grow, and serve, that we love Jesus, we grow with others, and we serve a world in need. Mm -hmm. And the, we talk about Big Serve. So the last month, we've been doing a Big Serve called Loose Change for Life. And some of you got baby bo a baby bottle from the lobby table uh, several weeks ago on Mother's Day. And fill those with Loose Change. And then next week, we collect those. And they're for the Cleveland Pregnancy Center. Coming alongside parents and little ones in this beginning journey of life. It's just a way to value every life is made in the image of God. And if you miss the baby bottle thing, you're welcome just to stop by and talk with them or see how you can uh, help out in some way. And then the surf for this coming month, I'm really excited. We're going to be welcoming uh, 70 Alliance missionaries who have been serving in countries all around the world the week of July 18th. And they're going to be here for a time of spiritual renewal, re-entry into the U.S., some training time. And so they're invited to bring those of who have children to bring their kids. So if you want to help out in a serving capacity by saying, hey, I can think you can help volunteer some hours to do some child care that week of July 18th. Or if you have a, you can loan for the week a pack and play or a high chair, uh, that would be great. And we'll have a special service that week, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. on July 20th. Stay tuned for details about that. And that's the first time we've maybe hosted that many. Yeah, workers. never before we've had that. We've Maybe the most we've ever had is like five or six. Wow, wow, so that's huge. Yeah. And speaking of global impact, uh, we have this thing called Global um, Leadership, Leadership Summit. Summit, sorry. Yeah. And... Um, we're gonna be live streaming that at our Olmstead Falls campus. Uh, two things you're gonna get from that is one, you're gonna get a chance to connect with local community leaders. The second thing you'll be able to do or you'll get from that is you'll hear from leaders from different organizations, businesses and things like that. So it's really a good time to just learn. 
Um, if you're leading some volunteers or some employees, it's just a good way to, to learn some keys to give back. So uh, they have an early bird special June 15th, which is this Wednesday. June's going fast, so make sure you get on that. Yeah. Uh, if you're newer to Grace, I, one of the things I love about Grace is the diversity. Diversity in ages, diversity in ethnicity, and then mm -hmm. also how long, I just met some people in the fireside room who are brand new to Grace, and some people have been here for 50 years, and so, we're, but we're part of a family that God is, is uh, building. And if you're newer to Grace, we have something called Taste of Grace after each of the services this morning where there's free refreshments. Uh, I just give a little, uh, real brief presentation on our mission and vision, and then a time of Q&A. So if you wanna join us after this service in the fireside room right next door, uh, you're newer to Grace, you've never been to that, or you just would like some free refreshments, and you go, I missed it when I was new to Grace, stop by and join us, and we'd be glad to say hello. Also, new classes just began last Sunday, and a bunch of new classes begin on Wednesday night. You'll see the listing of those. I'll be doing one of those classes with Mary, and we'd be glad to have you join us for one of the classes, Sundays or Wednesdays. Yeah, and please feel free, because Taste of Grace is a really good way for us to just make the church smaller and see what we really do. Um, if you wanna learn more about how we love, grow, and serve, just click on our online bulletin there. And also, for us to continue making a local and global impact, um, there's an online giving link. You can, you can click that, or if you wanna um, utilize the envelope boxes on your way out, you can drop it off there. Yeah, thank you, Pastor KJ. And I'm just so grateful that whenever we gather, we're doing so as the people of God, whatever kind of week you've had, the challenges, crises, whatever you face, top of the mountain, that we can bring ourselves uh, and our focus to who our great God is. He's here with us, he sees us. Let's stand together as the team leads us.
a God with us constantly. His presence is always close. And through the last couple of years, I think about that song and I think of how maybe we've allowed walls of bitterness or a brick of sadness or a brick of depression to build up around our hearts and it's caused us to have a hard time hearing or seeing God moving. And today I can tell you that I know God wants to break through the walls that you've created around your heart and he wants to speak something good to you today. But sometimes it takes us getting out of our comfort zone and it takes us physically moving into a different location or a different spot to hear from him. Sometimes we just kind of need to get out of our circumstances and see things in a fresh way. So today, church, we're gonna open up the front. We do this every now and then. Every Sunday, you're always more than welcome to come up here and worship and pray. But today, we're gonna do this in an intentional way. You're more than welcome to come forward, kneel on the steps, pray, or just come forward and worship. I love how Jesus modeled this for us so clearly. So many times when he wanted to get away or he needed to hear a fresh word from God or needed to commune with God, he went up on the mountain and prayed or he got away from the crowds and he prayed. Um, so today, it might be out of your comfort zone. It might not be something you normally do, but I just invite you to, to get out of your normal spot, maybe do something different and hear a fresh word from him today. He so desires to speak to you. Amen? Let's continue to worship, church. Nothing left 
describes Jesus as being the chief cornerstone upon whom the church is built. But it says that for some people, he's a stumbling stone because people can't get past him in order to come to faith and be saved. But for others, those who do choose to embrace him, he's the chief cornerstone upon which we stand and the rock that cannot be shaken. As we get the chance this morning to say hallelujah, we are saved by the one who will not be moved. Amen. Let's all sing that out together. Christ alone, sing it out.
All right, back to the book of Romans. Before we dig in, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you today that you see us as we've worshiped, as we spend time here with others who follow you. You not only see us, but you know us. You know everything about us, our past, our present, and, and you still love us. And you've done for us what we can never do for ourselves and providing a way for us to be forgiven and to know you. And we thank you for that, that you've pursued us. And Lord Jesus, we really want that until the day we see you face to face that you'll work in us and through us. You'll make us more and more like your son, Jesus, that you'll make an impact through our lives. So even today, Lord, give us soft hearts that would be open to whatever you want to say to us, however you want to shape us, cut off some, sand off some rough edges, affirm us where we're doing well, Lord, that we'll be more and more aligned with you. Lord, we live in a broken world. We've been reminded in the last weeks of, we look at the news and we see some horrific deaths. We see um, some of the challenges, what's happening in our government. We look at the economy and how shaky and volatile it is. And we look globally, Lord, and. And all of the brokenness, we're reminded that, that our world needs you desperately. And so we pray, work through us. Show your mercy through us, Lord. May our voices uh, speak what you want us to speak. And, and so, Jesus, ultimately, we pray that, that you will come again and we'll have the joy of seeing you making all things right. And so we just join together right now and we pray as you taught us to pray. I want to invite you to pray with me his prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our topic today is raising your relational IQ. And the question is, how do you do that? One thing I think is safe to say is this, that you and I, the quality of our lives, if we can dial up our relational IQ, our closest relationships are going to be better. The ones that aren't so close are going to be better. The impact of our life is going to grow. We're going to honor God in bigger ways. And, and there's, it's just it's one of the best pursuits that we can make in life. Of all the funerals that I've officiated and attended, and, and it's been in the hundreds, I've never heard a person get choked up and say, you know, what I'm going to miss about Jimmy the guy was the smartest guy in the room, man. Like his IQ was amazing, right? People don't talk about the academic rigor and elective. They usually, what they talk about is, man, he, he really loved people. She was always there. They were an encourager. You felt you were around them. And, and they, there's all the relational stuff, if, if they live that way, that people like to say about them. So I agree with the statement made by John Orberg in his wonderfully titled book, Everybody's Normal, Till you get to know them, uh, when he says this, I have never known anyone who succeeded at relationships, who cultivated great friendships, who was devoted to their family, who mastered the art of giving and receiving love, yet had a bad life. He's saying, in other words, that uh, when we can dial up our relational IQ, life is just going to be 
better. And here's the good news. While research shows that our intellectual IQ is pretty well fixed for the most part through life, that's not true for your relational IQ. You can dial up your relational smarts, your relational wisdom, and get better. And that's what we want to be our goal today. As we look at a passage of scripture, is to say, God, we want to honor you. We want to honor the people around us. And by the way, there's a personal benefit as well. Let me just tell you a couple of uh, stats here. Harvard researcher Robert Putnam notes that if you belong, this is a quote, if you belong to no groups of people, but then you decide to join one, you cut your risk of dying over the next year in half. In other words, if you're not part of any group right now, you're like, if you join a group, you're going to cut your risk of dying in half. Or how about this one? People who had bad health habits but strong social ties lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits but were isolated. Let me just translate that for you. It's better to eat ice cream with friends than to eat broccoli alone. Anybody say amen to that? All right, all right, good, good. My wife would say, John, time out. It's better to eat broccoli with friends. And I said, that's not what the research shows. It says, if you have bad health habits, but you're not isolated, you're going to live longer than people who eat broccoli and, and are just all by themselves. So how do we raise a relational IQ? Let's turn to Romans chapter 12, uh, sixth book of the New Testament. Years ago, I challenged our church family to memorize these verses, and, all, and uh, quite a number of people did it, and I, I think it can have such positive influence in your life when you take God's word and just go, Lord, I want, I want the wisdom of your word just to fill my life. One of the friends that memorized the passage was Linda Che. So for our scripture reading this morning, would you welcome Linda as she reads Romans 12, verses 9 to the end. All right. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Never repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, 
but overcome evil with good. Fantastic. Maybe that's going to inspire some of you to do as well. Thank you so much, uh, Linda. Several months ago, uh, I spoke on the second part of this passage, and so today I'd like to laser in on the first four verses here in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 13. And before we dig in, let me just say, first of all, uh, to those who are at Lorraine Correctional, I was able to join in the services, over 100 guys there were part of the services. We are really glad to have you with us today. Would you just give these uh, guys uh, a round of applause? And so I want to say hi, especially to Dax and to Baxter and to Jalen and Jesus and to Tony. And um, I wrote down some of your other names here as well. Uh, Joe and Cody. I could just keep on going, but I was really glad to be with you guys. Marvin reminded me, Marvin said this. He goes, hey, John, we are guys here at Lorraine Correctional from all over Ohio. So you're not just a church for Northeast Ohio. You're for all of Ohio. So Marvin, great reminder there. And so wherever you, other people engaging from other places, glad to have you dig into God's words with us today. Just a reminder that Romans 12 is a turning point in the book. The first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul is saying that God has done for us in Jesus what we can never do for ourselves. That we can never be right with God. But in chapter 3, he goes, but now a rightness with God, a righteousness from God has been revealed. And he goes, it's by faith. In other words, you can't earn it. You can't, you can't like somehow be good enough. He says, you just receive it by faith. God's grace, he welcomes you in, and, and, he, and Jesus paid the greatest price. He gave his life for this to happen. And so Paul in chapter 12, he, he then turns a corner and he says this. He goes, therefore, my brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, what I've just talked about these first 11 chapters, I want you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your act of spiritual worship. He says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. In other words, don't just live like other people live. Don't relate like other people relate. But he says, be transformed by the renewing of your what? Of your mind. That Jesus comes into our lives. He's talked about not only are we made right with God, but the spirit of God, he says in Romans chapter 8, comes and lives within us and helps us to become more and more like Jesus. And so Paul turns this corner here and he goes, I want you to be like Christ. So last week, Pastor Jordy, great message. I'm so thankful for our, our student uh, pastors, student ministries pastors. And, uh, but he gave a message about how do we serve. In light of what Jesus has done for us, what do, what do we do? He's given us gifts. God has given us gifts. He's filled us with the spirit. He wants us to make an impact. And then he moves on here in the last part of chapter 12, and he talks about how Jesus brings a change in the way that we treat other people, the verses that you just heard Linda read. So Paul starts off in verse 9 and says this, love must be sincere. In the next verse, he says, be devoted to one another in love. In other words, if you're following along in the notes that you picked up on your way into the worship center or those of you engaging online, if you go to our homepage and just click the bulletin and you'll see the notes there, be known by your love for others. I mean, if you, want to, if you want to raise your relational IQ, it's something that starts in your heart. And in fact, in God's eyes, this is the number one character trait that you and I could ever display. To value people like God does is not only the beginning point of raising our relational IQ, it's also the foundational point of really honoring God. 
And, and it's a super prominent theme in the New Testament. Just a few examples. When Jesus is asked by an inquirer, what's the greatest commandment? How does Jesus respond? He says, oh, he doesn't even hesitate. He goes, the greatest command, he goes, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And the second is like it, love the people around you like you love yourself. In other words, your neighbor, he goes, and any person you meet. Um, and he says, that's, that's what it means. If, if you really want to know what it means to honor, honor me, to, to love me. He says, you know, not only love me, but love the people around you. In fact, he goes on, he says, in fact, the law and the prophets can all be summarized with these two commands. In other words, the entire Old Testament, you could summarize it, give a, just a quick version and say, do you want to know what it's all about? Love God and love the people around you. And so he, he talks about this, and, and some of them might say, well, what does that really look like? I mean, it, I want us to just take these key phrases one at a time, starting in verse 9. And he says, for starts, he says, to be known by love for others means you sincerely seek another person's best. He says in verse 9, love must be sincere. The clear implication is that there can be a form of love that is insincere, Right? And Paul goes, I, I, don't want, I don't want you to play pretend. I don't want you to, he goes, I want you to be genuine. I want you to have an authenticity that, that shows that, that your faith in Jesus is real, that the spirit of God is really alive in you. Jesus' early followers got this. In fact, John, one of Jesus' closest friends, writes in his first letter of 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. He says, whoever does not love, would you say the next four words with me? What does it say? Does not know God. If you don't love, if, if I don't love, he's saying, I don't really, I don't even really know God. I've never really encountered him because God is love. Friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. In other words, he's saying, you can't see God with, with these eyes, but you can see evidence of his life when you see his love displayed in another person. So John is pretty straightforward about this. He's saying that, man, this love is that central to who God is. That if you don't love other people like God does, if you're not growing in that, if you're not dialing up, he says, then you don't really know God. You haven't really encountered him. And you have to go back and say, God, I need, I need, to, I need to have an encounter with you. He says, be sincere. He goes on here and he says in the next verse, honor one another above yourselves. Sincere love treats every single person as a treasure that has been created by God in his image. I rarely see a movie or musical more than once. Like I'm just, I'm going to see Top Gun this week and I'll probably see one time. Maybe I'll go see it again. My son says, I think you'll watch that one a second time. But I saw one Broadway musical movie five times at least. And it was Les Miserables. Anybody seen Les Mis? All right, a number of you. The rest of you are going, oh, maybe I should see it sometime. It's a, it's a, a great story uh, written by Victor Hugo. And it's, and it's a story that reflects grace. And, and it's just a story of redemption. Well, at the close of, of the story, um, Jean Valjean, main character, he, he makes this profound statement. He says, to love another person is to, anybody know how it ends? To see the face of God. Remember that? To love another person is to see the face of God. 
Uh, some of you are going, I didn't really know, but I saw it on the screen, so I read it there. Yeah, that's cool too. Um, whenever I interact with another person in, in the grocery store, on the highway, um, whoever, someone I live with, I'm, I'm interacting with someone who, who bears the imprint of God, the signature of the divine artist. Like they're, they're not only made by him, they, they bear, they reflect his image. And so he says, honor one another above yourselves. Like treat that person with great care. One way to do that, Paul goes on verse nine and he says, you hate anything that devalues another person. You know, it's interesting. This is one of the only times in the entire Bible that followers of God are told to hate. If someone says, do you hate anything? Don't answer no. Say, yes, I, I actually do. What do you hate? I hate gossip because it wounds another person. I hate racial jokes because it tears down a group of people. I hate injustice because it robs people of their dignity and value. I hate uncontrolled anger because it's so destructive. I hate addictions in all of their forms because it traps people and robs them of what God really intends for them. I, I hate anything that diminishes the value that God has placed on another person. In that sense, hate is a part of love. If you love people, you're gonna hate anything that comes against them, right? And this is bigger than just one-on-one -on -one relationships, not just you know me with Mary and with my kids or my neighbors. This is... This affects how I see society, right? When I see brokenness, it can shape how I view legislation. It, it, it impacts my pocketbook. It might motivate my personal involvement in various issues. It helps to determine the kind of citizen I'm gonna be. This past week, uh, when I was at Lorraine Correctional, and one of the guys told me, he said, Hey, when I get out, I want to I want to work with foster. I want to help really promote foster care and respite and all the rest. He said 33% of the guys in prison in our country grew up in the foster care system. That broke my heart. Love means that I hate evil and I'm going to speak on behalf of those whose voices are muted, like kids in the foster care system or maybe for widows or for immigrants or refugees or the poor. Paul goes on, he says, you hate evil. You also devote yourselves to valuing people. He says, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in, in, in love. Interesting word study for you if you want to do it sometimes. Look in the Bible at what we're told to devote ourselves to. Devote yourselves to prayer. Just a few. Devote yourselves to one another in love. To devote yourself means what? That you, you give yourself to that, right? You, you make it a high priority. And in this case, we'd say, I, I want to do whatever I can to dial up my own personal relational IQ, right? I, God, this is something so key to who I am as one of your followers. When you think of someone you go, wow, this person is devoted to really to other people and loving them, who comes to mind for you? Is there a person in your workplace or at Grace or someone else where you go, I, if I could emulate them, I know that I'd be making progress. It might be good to say, what, what can I learn from them? Even ask them, say, hey, I want to know, what, what was it like? Have you always been like this? Is that like nature? Or how did you grow to become more the kind of reflect? I just see God's love in you. 
I think Paul would have turned to and said, I want to tell you about my friend Timothy. In Philippians chapter 2, he says this about Timothy. He says, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. I love that phrase. Takes a genuine, are you genuinely interested, sincere? Someone has put it this way. They've said, every time two people make contact, they come away feeling either better and more energized or worse and more depleted. It's as if we carry around our own little emotional ATMs around with us all the time. And at each encounter, we are either making deposits or we're making withdrawals on the vitality of those around us. It's a good way to take some personal inventory and to say, so when people interact with me, with you, do they come away feeling like, man, that was brief, but I just, I just, I feel valued when I'm with that person. Like they're genuine. Or do you come away going, that was weird, or I just don't, I, you know, I, next time I see them, I might just pretend I didn't see them. I, you know, so which way is it for you? Are you one who's devoted to valuing people? Paul says, first of all, if you want to dial up your relational IQ, he says, be known for love for others. Make, make that a part of your life. And then he goes on in verse 11, he starts talking about what kind of person we can be that I think also dials up our relational IQ. And here's what he says in verse 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. In your notes, I put it this way. Not only do we want to be known by our love for others, but we also want to reflect, we want to reflect that Jesus lives in us. When the Holy Spirit's alive in you, there's a qualitative difference in the way that we live, right? If there's not, I need to go back and say, Jesus, I need you to have freedom by your Holy Spirit to live in my life. There's, because I want there to be a dynamic attraction in me that is not about who I am, but about who you are in me. I love how Paul talks about this in Titus chapter two. He says, even in the way we do our work and our employment, he says that you can make the teaching about God our Savior attractive, how you're trustworthy, the way that you interact with people, the way that you do your work. He says you can attract people to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus, because they, they see something in you that's just different. How does it happen? Back in Romans chapter 12, verse 11, first of all, we can say this, whatever you've been called to, do it with enthusiasm. I like how the New Living Translation puts it in verse 11. It says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Friends, when we know that Jesus is with us wherever we go and, uh, and that he cares about what we do, then that means whatever I do, I can do it enthusiastically. In Colossians 3, Paul says that means with all your heart. Enthusiastic means with spirit. And I would say literally with the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And so when I'm with someone, I like how Jim Elliott, uh, a missionary from a generation ago, he says, wherever you are, be all there. If you're in a conversation, be with that person. If you're called to a task that you say, God, this is for you, he says, when you serve the Lord, do it enthusiastically. You might go, well, serving the Lord, is that talking about like my ministry or something? Like, is this for more for pastors and missionaries? Paul would go, no, no, not, not at all. He's talking about all of life. He goes, everything you do in life, you're doing it as unto God. In other words, you don't have a, a spiritual slice of your life and a vocational life with your job and then your financial life and then your physical kind of relational. You have a life and it all matters to God. And he goes, whatever you do, you can serve the Lord. And he goes, so do it enthusiastically. 
Don't, don't be lazy. Do it with spirit. That means including in your job, you know, a person who, who's in construction. Um, you're not just pouring concrete or building a wall. You are doing your work as, with excellence as a gift to God. You're saying, God, I don't serve my foreman or the, whoever. I, I, I'm doing this for you. A teacher is not simply going through curricula and, and saying, you know, I'm preparing for the test. You're investing in children who have tremendous value in the eyes of the Heavenly Father. When an accountant keeps the ledgers, they're doing it with excellence and, and integrity because they're saying, I'm doing this for the glory of God. Like, it, it's something that, that I can stand before him and say, I did it with integrity. If you're a parent, yes, you're main role and you're feeding, you're not just feeding hungry mouths or talking kids into bed at night. You, you are pouring into children that is, is such an amazing investment that you have this privilege of saying, God, I can reflect your heart to this little one that I, I want that to happen. Guys at Lorraine Correctional, a few of you told me what you make per hour is not a lot. But there's other people who volunteer, they're retired. Whatever you do, it doesn't matter how much or how little you earn. It might be you're doing laundry, you're getting food prepared, whatever it might be. Paul is saying, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically because you're doing it for Christ. You might say, well, how does it affect my relational IQ? We'll get to that in just a moment, but let's move on. Paul says in verse 12, choose to be joyful in hope. Joyful in hope. In other words, you have a clear perspective on the future. I think one of the most compelling pictures of this is Paul and Silas. Same guy who's writing this, this, past, this letter of, from Romans. Acts chapter 16 tells us how Paul and Silas have been falsely accused, beaten you know, unjustly, and they're holed up in a prison cell. You remember what they do? They don't file a lawsuit. They could have done that, but it wouldn't have been wrong, I suppose. But they sing. They pray. And all the other inmates are listening in. That's joyful in hope, right? It's knowing that in our grief and our tears, which are also fine in the eyes of God, like we can mourn and lament, but we know that the Lord is always with us, that he's in control, that he won the war with death, that he's going to reign as king for all of eternity, and that I actually belong to him, and he takes even the evil stuff in my life, and he turns it into good. And so I can be joyful in hope. You know what I think our temptation is sometimes? We, we wouldn't say this, but I think our temptation is sometimes to live like the resurrection never really took place. And we're like, oh my goodness, I got, you know, whatever, and death wins, and this is horrible, and, you know, the world is falling apart. Hey, friends, just a little public service announcement. Jesus rose from the dead, right? He writes the final chapter, Right? Like our sins are forgiven. I belong to his family the moment I put my trust in him. And this little life that I have, this little dash of my life is going to usher me in if I put my trust in Jesus into a forever after that's going to be absolutely amazing. And even now I know that he's with me and that he writes the final chapter. So Paul says, be joyful in hope. Joyful in hope. And then he ties right into the next phrase. If we're joyful in hope, then we can ask the Lord to make us patient in affliction. Because people who have deep joy, it's because of Jesus' constant friendship, because of his presence, his promises, that they're just like, man, I know. I'll put in your notes this little line. Our patience demonstrates that we know who writes the final chapter and that he's always good. That the very one who spoke 
the worlds into being just by his what? By his word. Is the same one who can speak a word today. Jesus did it. When Jesus, John chapter 4, there's this dad who comes to him and says, my son is about to die. Could you come? And, and Jesus goes, you can go. Your son's going to live. It's 20 miles away. I would have said, I, 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 no, I need you to come with me. The guy leaves, gets home, and finds out that his son was healed at the very hour that Jesus spoke a word. We can't see Jesus today, right? Do you believe he can speak a word? He's all-powerful. A number of years ago, our family went up to northern Ontario, like really far from any population. We were in this rustic cabin, you know, outhouse, pumping water from the lake, and it was beautiful. And we'd go out at night, and you look up at the sky, and wow. You've been there, some of you, right? You've been out in the wilderness, and you see stars that you would never see in Cleveland, Ohio, because of the city lights. And you look up at the stars. You know what Carl Sagan uh, says, the scientist? He says, if you were to hold in your hand a handful of sand, he said, there's about 10,000 grains of sand in your hand. If you get bored at the beach next time, just, just count them, all right? Tell me how close he is. There was only 9,920. You just need maybe a little bit smaller hand. But he said this. He goes, 10,000 grains of sand. He said, if you took all the sand on all the beaches, on the entire planet Earth. There would be more stars than there are grains of sand on all of those beaches. That's a lot of stars. 100 billion stars on average per galaxy and 100 billion galaxies. And you know what Isaiah 40 says? Isaiah chapter 40 says that God knows them all and calls them each what? By name. Unbelievable. More stars than there are words in the English language, by far. And he calls them all by name. So do you think he can take your situation and mine, whatever crisis, and that he can speak a word, that he can weave it together to accomplish his good purposes? So Paul says, be patient in affliction. And then one last phrase here, and our time is up. He says, whether you're on the top of the mountain or in the valley, wherever, he calls us to be faithful in prayer. Enjoy the Lord's company. Spend time with him. Invite his leadership. Acknowledge him in all of your ways. Paul says in Ephesians, he says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Be faithful in prayer. Some might ask, all right, Jonathan, you said like, I get the first part, be known by love for others. That makes sense for relational IQ. But how does the second part about let people see Jesus in you, like you're enthusiastic in whatever calling you have in life, whatever you do, you're joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. How does it dial up your relational IQ? Because people who practice those things are the kind of people you want to be around, right? They inspire you. I've had that happen with lots of people here at Grace. That there's something about watching another person be patient in affliction, joyful in hope, faithful in prayer, enthusiastic, you go, there's something about them and their life has a contagious, it, it's like we read earlier, you make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. You might say, Jonathan, man, I have some tough people in my life. Like, it's really hard. I imagine you do. We live in a very broken world. You know, there's something about Jesus and I wanna just invite his presence into our lives 
something about Jesus that I think is really interesting that when Jesus would interact with difficult people or people who had illness or were broken or whatever, the influence went from him to them, not from them to him. When Jesus interacts with a leper, people never wanted to be near a leper, right? Before Jesus heals the leper, look at Matthew chapter 8, not now, but, but what does he do? He, he touches the leper, but the leprosy doesn't come to him. What happens instead? His healing power does what? Flows to the leper. When he interacts with a person who's sexually promiscuous, his love and his grace flow to that person. Jesus didn't somehow become engaged in that kind of behavior. When he meets with an arrogant, self-righteous, religious person, they don't rub off on him. His influence, the spirit of God living in Jesus, made an impact on the people around him. And he challenged them. It sometimes got uncomfortable. He'd call them up, but he was always doing it in love, saying, I, I want to lead you to the one who can redeem you and who wants to welcome you to his family. So Jesus did this perfectly. And when we think about how challenging it can be for us, you go, man, I don't know if I'm up. We're not really up for the task, but he is. And he wants to be a welcome presence in our lives. So I wonder if you would just pray with me right now. Let's just invite his Holy Spirit to have his way in us. Would you pray with me? And I'd like to just lead us. I'm praying not just for me, but for all of us today. So maybe you can just whisper along as I pray. Come Holy Spirit. Fill me with the presence of Jesus, I pray. Spirit of Jesus, help me to reflect his heart. To love well, even when it's difficult. To love sincerely. To hate anything that comes against other people that matter so much to you. Help me to be, strengthen me to be patient in affliction. Joyful in hope. Spirit of Jesus, fill me, I pray. I can't do it on my own but I believe Jesus did it perfectly. And Spirit of God, you can make the life of Jesus real in me. So I open up my life to you, pray that you would cleanse me, sand away the rough edges, and conform me to the image of the Son, the Lord Jesus, as we read in Romans 8. Transform me by the renewing of my mind. Make me more like Jesus. In his name I pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Hey, the song we're gonna sing is really just an ongoing prayer. So let's stand together and make this our prayer together.
may the Lord answer that prayer. Uh, we have a prayer team that's going to be at the front, and if you say, I have something I would love to just drop off and pray about with someone, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come now, get your badges on, and then the rest of you, feel free. If you want to just pop by and say, I'd like to pray for a couple minutes with someone, uh, they would be really glad to do that. I'm going to be in the fireside room right next door, and anybody newer to Grace, feel free to stop by there for some refreshments and just a quick little program about what Grace Church is all about. And now may you know that whoever you meet this week, whoever you talk to, those you know, those you haven't met yet, is not a mistake. That God designed for you to be with them and that he wants to show his heart and his character through you. May you be an attraction to him. Amen? God bless you as you go. We'll see you.